success is basically um, under promise over deliver, right? I mean, that that's not a, that's a saying that we've heard, but it's true and it's easy to hold in your mind um, and have it repeat. Um, and it's very profound. It's like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, when we're setting out expectations, you know, reduce, <laughs> reduce the, uh, the, the promise and then over deliver. And so, um, that's very, that's very profound and you kind of, um, can't repeat it often enough. Hello. Today I interviewed Kevin Kelly on his new book, Excellent Advice for Living. And it's a good conversation. It's the second time I've had Kevin on the podcast. And the first time we chat about his massive book, Vanishing Asia, which is like 10,000 pictures and 30, 30 pound book. And this one is more like 400 pieces of advice that are really good. <laughs> They're just bangers. I mean, they are um, delightful and juicy. And, and, and we talk a lot about both some of the advice itself and, and kind of double click on it, but also a bit about the process of mimetic refactoring and kind of how to put these little mantras, these little actionable mantras into your brains. Because in some ways, our brains are simply just the result of we are just a, we're a function and we're an emergent property of all of our kind of mimetic mantras. And so uh, inserting the correct 400 into your brain is good. And so I hope um, some of the ones that we chat about today uh, are able to make it into your into your mind and help you live a better life. So hope you enjoy it. And thanks. Hello, Reese's Pieces. I'm Reese, the co-founder of Root, and welcome to The Reese Show. I believe the best way to predict the future is to build it. And so I'm interviewing pioneers on the frontier to understand what the world would look like and the secrets behind how they're building it. These are insights from the frontier. And today, I'm excited to chat with Kevin Kelly. Kevin is a senior maverick at Wired Magazine. He co-founded Wired in 1993, which was almost 30 years ago to the date, uh, and then went on to write a set of excellent books, What Technology Wants, Vanishing Asia, among others. And today, we're excited to dive into his new book, Excellent Advice for Living. Kevin, thanks for being on the show and welcome. Oh, it's just a pleasure to be here again. And I really um, am honored and privileged that you've invited me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dive in. And it's, it's it, you know, you and I were just chatting about before the show, almost 30 years ago is when you guys founded Wired. What um, have you done? What kind of reflections have you done about that 30 year kind of journey? Well, there's, there's so many things to, to think about. One is, you know, it was, um, uh, it was, it was, it was very improbable. Our success was very improbable, like most successes. And, um, we were very, very lucky to be at the right time. That was another thing that's important to remember. Um, but it, it's also kind of hard to, to put your minds back into what that perspective was in 93, which was basically pre-web. And so the internet to most people made, made, made teenage boys in their basement typing to each other. It was considered very nerdy, not at all mainstream, and and would never be mainstream. And um, the expectations, even as as the web began, of what it was, was basically that it was going to be better TV. That was the the idea that you'd have five hundred channels, right? That there, but there would be channels. It wasn't the whole idea that most of the value would come from the consumers themselves this kind of prosumer thing was just not in the air that was i i know that from rereading some of the early things that were being written and what people expected so um it, you know the whole the whole the whole decentralized blogging world caught people completely by surprise the um you know the social media uh, uh networks were the audience is creating the content um, was not in anybody's projection. Yeah, that's amazing. It's um, it's so weird because it's like yeah, we get anchored on laws of the adjacent possible, where we're like, okay, sweet, everybody's watching TV right now, and oh, now we have Dish, where you get not just you know cable. There's normal things, and then there's cable, and then there's this Dish network. Oh my God, look at all these channels! Wow, the internet's going to be even more channels. That's going to be amazing. Yes. It's like right. Oh. right. No, there's fundamentally yeah. new things happening here where um, anybody can have a channel. And in fact, there's going to be yeah. Twitch channels with the long tail of anything under the sun. Um, so that's, and so how do you, 
so yeah, so that's the, the, the time 30 years ago, you were thinking about that and he was like, oh my, and so well, tell us a little bit more about that moment. You guys were starting it. You were starting to write about, you know, what was happening on the internet or, to, you know, tell us a little bit more about those first kind of formative years. Yeah, it was, for me, it was not, I mean, I was on the first get online in 82. So I've been already online for 10 years and in 84 at the whole earth catalog, we started the well, which was the first eventually became the first public access to the internet. But the internet at that time, of course, was just command lines. It was just, it was just typing. Um, so, um, so some of the behavior that was already emerging what was, was not new. Um, and that was the weird thing is for 10 years, I've been talking about this stuff in the whole earth catalog and the magazine I was running. And it was a very small group of people. There was, you know, 50,000 circulation. Um, and then suddenly at Wired, I was talking about the same stuff, and now the spotlight was on us, and we were talking to the world. And it was, it was like I'm talking about the same thing to the same people. I'm, it's like, what's, you know, where, you know, where, where have you been? But now they're there, and that was the the, the kind of large platform um, where we were. Um, our goal was a couple things, um, and I have to credit Lewis and Jane, the, uh, the main co-founders of the Wired magazine, with this idea of they wanted to make stars out of the nerds. They wanted to make the nerds the heroes. And that was sort of the one agenda that we were trying to do with Wired was put people who were making this stuff on the cover and say that these are the things. And that was actually successful where we you know, Bill Bill Gates eventually is on the cover of Time magazine and marketries and stuff, and so it was this idea that it was the revenge of the nerds, so to speak, where where um, we're saying no, 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 it's tech is cool because when Wired started, tech was not cool. The nerds that they were the the guys and the people who were beat up in in school, you know, and so um, part of what we were trying to do was to say no, no, this is this is the main event. And that was successful over time. And the second thing we tried to do with Wired, and again, I have to credit Lewis with this, was wanted to make a magazine that felt as if it was being mailed back from the future. That you were getting this message from the future that it was that it was so f that it was inhabiting the future in some ways. And that was a much higher bar to do. And and I think we've had we had times when we were successful, and times when it wasn't but um that was the ambition and that was the exciting part for me of was trying to make a magazine that was being mailed back from the future i love that i love both those i think it's like um the first one is like yeah when it's like it reminds me of you, you were saying that you know, you're talking about the same things for 10 years and then eventually people are like oh let's like yeah. let's like everybody listen to this it reminds me of some of the early like ethereum and crypto days for me where it's like yeah. starting east denver and stuff like that and it was like and then at that time it was just 1500 people and it just happened this last week and it was like 30,000 people you know or whatever and yeah, so it's yeah. like and so but it's all the same stuff you're thinking about the future of internet finance and how money changes societies and all these kind of, you know, what the different layers of the internet stack are, but then it just gets, it gets like bigger and bigger audiences, which is kind of funny. And then, as you said too, that's a reminder of the nerds of like, you know, I play a good amount of magic the gathering and it's, mm -hmm. um, I love the, the, the uh, that card game, but it, you know, when it started in 1993 yeah, at, at the same time, it was that board games weren't a thing. There was just right. like monopoly. <laughs> there were, you know, and there was like playing yeah. cards, but, but now this explosion of both video games and card games, it's like in board games, it's like things that people do, you know? And so it's like the fact that nerds could actually like be out there in the world instead of just being beaten up was, um, it was probably yeah. good for you and I, you know, yeah, yeah. um, you know, our physical bodies. So let's, let's dive into the, um, the book itself. And it's, it's called excellent advice for living. And it's a really cool, you know, Kevin's been writing, um, you know, on his website with this advice for folks. And so I've, I've read it over the past kind of couple years as you've kind of posted them and they're always just good nuggets. And then, um, you know, when you, you know, when I read the, the pre-copy of this book, it was like, oh my God, this is, um, as I was looking through them, I was just like, these are bangers. There's like, you know, 400 plus just like really good pieces of advice here. Um, and so what I want to do for the the audience is both to kind of share some of those pieces of advice and then kind of in the later um, half of the show to kind of understand like how you came to them and, and those kinds of things. So let's start with the, the first thing though. And like before anything, can you just tell us like how you um, tell us about the book. What is it and how did you come to writing it? 
Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, it's um, it's a small book. It's one of the it's my smallest book. I tend to make these big, overwhelming, uh, two big books, including the last book, which was um, I was going to say, Vanishing Asia, Asia was like Asia. three yeah. books back to back with right. like thirty thirty pictures. pounds, at least a pound of captions. There's uh, nine thousand images. Yeah. So it was just way overwhelming. And I uh, did an overwhelmingly huge uh, graphic novel, and I did an overwhelmingly huge book of cool tools. So this is a small, tiny little book, and um, it's fun in that way. And it's a, a book that has about 450 little, tiny, tiny um, bits of advice or adages or proverbs, maxims. And each one is... Um, that I, Each one I wrote with the idea of trying to basically try to condense an entire book of advice into one little sentence. And, and part of my, my job, my challenge, and then the thrill of writing was to, to take, to, to put it in as few words as possible. And um, so they're, they're kind of condensed in the stills. And, and I started writing these for myself because I found that when I wanted to change my behavior, if I could have a little tiny memorable thing I could repeat to myself, I could bring it forward. And an example would be like, um, if I if I knew that something was that I had bought something in my house that I had a tool somewhere or something that I was trying to find and I couldn't find it, when I did eventually find it, the little mantra is, put it back not where you found it, but where you first looked for it. And so I'm um, looking for a little flashlight and whatever, and that would repeat to myself, okay, I'm putting it back. Wait, wait, don't put it back where I found it. Put it back where I first looked for it. So I just tell myself that. So that's kind of a little bit of advice, and I wish I had known that many years ago. And so there are other things like another piece of advice, which I actually picked up while I was at Whole Earth, which was um, when, you, when I get an invitation to do something or to meet somebody or to go somewhere or to have a, a, a Zoom call or you know, to, to, to go speak, um, I always ask myself, would I want to do this tomorrow morning? Okay, Because it's very easy to say something, yes, to something in six months, but like, you know, it's like, like if this was tomorrow morning, would I be willing to get on the plane and go there or drive over to wherever it is and, and, and do that? Because eventually, soon enough, it will be tomorrow morning. And so that kind of immediacy filtering, I mean, most things don't survive that, that kind of filter, so you say no. And um, that was that was a piece of advice that I would repeat to myself, and then that thing thing is to re, to reduce it into a little adage, a little maxim that is easy to remember. And again, it was something that I wish I had known earlier. So I decided that um, I would try to write things down for the benefit of my um, uh, children who are young adults, and um, our kind of parenting style was not to give advice very much. Um, when I was growing up, I noticed that we didn't really pay much attention to what our parents said. We paid attention to what they did. And that was kind of like how we were trying to raise our kids was not by saying, but by doing. So we didn't really have a lot of advice. But now I thought, well, some of these things were things I wish maybe there, maybe this would be good for them. Maybe they would like to, to hear this. And so I decided to start writing them down. And I was just ongoing throughout the year when I'd have an idea. I said, oh, that's, I really, that's, I, I, that's a good way of saying it. I was just kind of like, what, 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 what do I know that I can kind of reduce into something that could be transferable? And the added advantage, which I didn't really think about at first, but has become true, which is that they're very tweetable. And that's the new that's the new attention span, right? <laughs> it's like, who's going to read a long book about anything, but here's a tweet from it. And so, um, and so they can, sh it's, they're shareable, which, um, um, uh, you know, I think is a big plus as well. Yeah. I love that. I think it's, um, it's like, yeah, here's 400 tweets, you know, that's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> right, right. um, I actually think what you're hitting at though is super, super important um, around these mantras, these adages, these maxims, um, and this process of mimetic refactoring or synthesizing <laughs> or distilling, where what you're trying mm -hmm. to do is, as we move through the world, um, 
you know, we are in some ways we can see ourselves as just a a function of the small snippets that we have in our brain, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and so that when we do stuff, we we do what the snippets tell us to do. And so mm -hmm. this is kind of a way to kind of build up your snippets for them to be better because like something like immediacy filtering is like not a bad term for it in academic <laughs> language but like the thing of like what i want to do this tomorrow morning is such a good you know mm -hmm. thing that just pops into your brain mm -hmm. and so um and tell us let's let's actually chat about that first before going into some of the other advice because that's something i want to ask you about and it's cool to, to see that you already obviously share a similar mindset here how like hmm how do you think about that mimetic refactoring process and the kind of um, you know, are we just a function of these little snippets that emerge into our mm -hmm. brain and what makes them well transferable? Yeah. Tell us about how you think about these things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think we, um, at least that's how my mind works. If I can, as I think mantra is, is the perfect word. If I can resurrect this mantra to help me and remind myself at this moment to, um, you know, to be kind, right. I mean, it's like when you have a choice between being right or being kind, be kind. Right. And so it's like, I'm just reminding myself that, okay, you know, when I have these moments. And so if they're, I, I see this as kind of handles, this is a, there's a little handle to hold this thing to kind of drag it forward. If you can make it really short and something you could repeat, then you have a handle on a whole bunch of big profound things that you can kind of reduce into this little tiny thing that you can pick up and, and, and repeat. And so, um, so this, yeah, so I think, um, you know, uh, Again, some of this advice that I'm repeating is ancient and timeless. I try to put it into my own words, but it is, you know, it's been around a long time. And some of them are, are basically proverbs, like, um, you know, for success is basically um, under promise, over deliver, right? I mean, that that's not a, that's a saying that we've heard, but it's true and it's easy to, hold in your mind um and have it repeat um and it's very profound it's like oh yeah i'm you know when we're setting out expectations you know reduce <laughs> reduce the uh the the promise and then over deliver and so um that's very that's very profound and you kind of um can't repeat it often enough yeah, I love it. And I, I love the can't repeat it often enough as a way to like the bar for this. And it right, makes right, me right. think of a couple things. One is, yeah, the concept. Well, hey, on the over promise under deliver, it was my old Frisbee team would call it success by lowered expectations, yeah. where right, right, right. we were like the A minus team. And so right. we were, we won the division three national championship, right. you know, not the division one, you know, so it's just kind of like um, the lower the expectations. Oh, you succeed no matter what. Um, right, right, right. But, but that's, love... that, that, that's true just in general of, um, when you are, um, that's another piece of advice. Again, I may not put it in the same words, but the idea that you want to be very stingy in what you promise because you have to be kind of generous in what you deliver, right? And so you, so, so, you know, when you are being tempted or asked to make a promise, you have to kind of, I do, I think should, you should do it very reluctantly because you want to, you want to, um, be sure you deliver and deliver generously. So, so if you're going to be generous, then you have to be very, very stingy in, in making those promises. Yeah. I love it. It, um, yeah. And, and just kind of three other notes on this. One is like, yeah, I, I like the words used there, like the handle, a handle for the thing, like a concept yeah. handle where it's like, okay, great. This is an right. API to right. a whole <laughs> like that. Yeah. It's That's an a Andy Matushak thing of, um, yeah, yeah, concept yeah. handles are an API for concepts, you know? <laughs> right. Right. So yeah. So this, the, the, yeah, this is a, this is a book of 450 APIs to ancient wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then values when, when, when companies create values, you know, I, we just create, recreate our values at my little, um, nonprofits, like, and it's just, and, and some people like, there's such a, um, yeah, you know, uh, push the pace, raise the bar, own your weirdness, love the frontier, these things. And like, you're trying to make them as small and small as possible, because if they're more than like three words, it's too many. Yeah. It's way too yeah. many. Yeah. Um, own the yeah. weirdness is, is very related to, 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 to my advice about, um, there's a couple ones. One is like, um, the thing that made you weird as a kid can make you great as an adult if you don't lose it. Hmm. And the other thing is, you know, try to work my advice to young people try to work on a place where there's no weird there's no word there's no language for what it is that you're doing 
that takes a long time to explain to your mother what it is and that you um you're ahead of language you're basically and you will have no competition at that point because you're yeah. just like there's nobody out and you're kind of making up this thing um so yeah so so um own your weirdness is 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 probably a little too distilled it's mm-hmm. it, that's more of like a what's the, <laughs> it's like the old, it's kind of like um what's the word i want it's like a a logo for <laughs> it's a logo for something it's a little you need a little bit more expansion there so yeah. so and that goes back to how do i make the device so there was a couple things one is you know the the right amount of compression not too much but you still want to compress a lot and then secondly i, I really focus on um is this actionable is there is there some element of like it can actually change your behavior as you're repeating it or you know, while you're repeating it does it mm-hmm. is it actionable rather than just kind of philosophical and then the third thing is um I, I really believe in, and this was another piece of advice, is in uplifting, in kind of positive reinforcement rather than the negative um, shaming or whatever. And so um, there are there are a number of them where I talk about don't doing this, but but um, it's still trying to emphasize the positive. Cool. Yeah, I love that. It's like, yeah, and and that's a really good. Those are good kind of gates. Yeah, that kind of yeah. Goldilocks thing is it actionable. And right. then is it um, is it positive? Yeah. Right. Um, so let's let's dive into some of them. And actually, the one that I want to start with is that one that you um, just talked about, kind of like these versions of being yourself and like you know being ahead of language or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think um, I think for me, actually, my twenty twenty three New Year's resolution is to be myself. Um, you know, right, I spent right, right. my past New Year's resolutions being like, "You're not good enough." You know, be be different, be better. You know, and now I'm just like, you know what? I'm fine. I'm like kind of yeah, fine yeah, as yeah. is. Um, and so there's, I just want to highlight two of them here. One of them is. Um, your goal is to be able to say on the day before you die that you've become fully yourself. And then yeah. this other one is don't measure your life with someone else's ruler. So tell right, me a little right, bit more right. about how you think about being yourself and how, you know, if you're giving advice to me, uh, this is my yeah. New Year's resolution. How can I be myself better? You know? Yeah. So, so, so I have to say, first of all, this is an incredibly high bar. I mean, this, this, this is sort of like the ultimate goal. And the one thing I would say about it, and there's a couple other bits that I would also throw in, but I would say that this is a lifelong project. And um, generally, us humans are fairly opaque to ourselves. We, we don't really have a deep access or deliberate access to a lot of us. And this is where dream, you know, writing down dreams, journaling, therapy, all this stuff is to help us get access because it is very difficult to even understand ourselves and oh, by the way also this is why we are surrounded by people <laughs> while we have family and friends and customers and clients and colleagues is because we need them to understand ourselves and so um, as i like to say we need them to see where what we're becoming and um so 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 it's it's it's, it's a big thing and for most of us it will take most of our lives to kind of do this and it's not a not it's not a destination it's a journey okay this idea that if you're still learning and if you still have lessons that means you're still as long as you're alive you're going to have lessons about understanding this so it's it's so it's a it's a lifelong journey and that's one of the reasons why there's another piece of advice which is it doesn't really matter where you're starting from where you're starting there's nobody that i know of who has had success or become a remarkable person or somebody that i admire who is far from where they started right in fact the more meandering and detour filled and backtracking their path the more likely they are to be remarkable and so um and so that 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 it's, so it's it's a it's a journey it's it's a path it's going ongoing it's not going to be finished you're not going to arrive at this moment until the day before you die when you have fully become yourself and so um, and so when you're starting out like most people you don't know and so you have questions about you know what do you do what's your passion and stuff and for most young people like myself we don't know when you begin and my advice there is to master something and it almost doesn't matter master something master meaning the deliberate practice of trying to 
um, become better through many, many, many iterations and try to strive to become world class at something. And it almost doesn't matter if you are able to kind of give it that energy. And um, that mastery forms the platform or the vehicle for you to kind of eventually drift towards what only you can do what 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 your your unique mix of talents um can be shared and unleashed and um i i really honestly do believe that everybody just we all have different faces have different mixes of geniuses and talents and um we want to, we want you to unleash them and we want to unleash want you to help everybody else unleash them and so that's that's what we're trying to do is 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 um, co-discover you know what our what our talents are and it's um, if you can do that if you can arrive there then you don't need a resume because you're you're the only and so this is my chief um, bit of advice that I compress it to the smallest possible little sentence and kind of needs unpacking which is don't aim don't be the best be the only. Okay, don't be the best, be the only. Uh, it's hard being the best. You're competing against, if you want to be the best basketball player or whatever it is, you, you, there are a lot of people. But if you're the only person who is doing, you know, Nerf ball gymnastics or something, then, okay, um, you're the only. And you're in, and you're, and, and so, so, um, you want to kind of, you know, you, you, you want to focus on trying to uncover those aspects of yourself where um, you're headed towards being the only, which is much more valuable than being the best. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And it is, it is, um, it's like uh, one thing that you showed there's that each little yeah, snippet has a obviously texture beneath it, but it's still right, obviously right. helpful to be like, okay, great. Yeah, don't be the best, be the only. And so, yeah, try to master. And I think mastering something is great advice and it doesn't really matter what it is. Um, right. And you just kind of go out there and like, do you, and we're all trying to, as you say, co-discover and co-help each other. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. whoever you are in the world, let's make more of that happen. That's awesome. Keep doing yeah, that. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's a kind of like a win-win infinite game kind of energy. So, so yeah. I want to um, ask about a different uh, kind of thing here, which is to, you know, on like parenting actually was one that I wanted to dive in on here. You have a couple good parenting ones, which is, you know, I just want to read two of them. One of them is we lack rites of passage. We uh, create memorable family ceremony, but when your child reaches legal adulthood between 18 mm -hmm. and 21, this moment will become a significant touchstone in their life. I love that one. And then the other one is children totally accept and crave family rules. Mm -hmm. In our family, we have a rule for X is the only one is the only excuse a parent needs um, for setting a family policy. Mm -hmm, In fact, mm -hmm. I have a rule for X is the only excuse you need for your own personal policies. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you, you you talk a little bit about parenting as you do, not as you say, but like yeah, uh, what, tell me a little bit about parenting. Yeah, um, I can only tell you what works for for us because and and maybe what I've observed, but but there are people who know a whole lot more than I do based maybe on more data of, you know, being a ther family therapist or others. And so for, for us, we were the opposite of helicopter parents, um, really kind of letting the kids have their space, but at the same time having very, uh, you know, strict rules about things, saying, you know, for instance, we had no TV at our house at all. And it was just like, we don't do TV. And so, um, and, and here's the thing. If you go to a friend's house and they have TV, you watch as much as you want. There are rules. Um, and so there was that kind of like where they had exposure to it. They knew what it was and they just knew that we, we didn't do that. And um, uh, we, you know, and so kids kind of accept that and they, 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 they in some ways have become a very can develop a very strong identity they become a part of their identity because they, they're belonging to a family and their family does this and um that having that kind of a strong family identity i think is very very invigorating and supportive and and comforting in in some ways so so that was one thing is is to to to, to deliberately emphasize 
family identity through ritual, through other things, through just spending time doing things together as a family. And that I think um, is, you know, one of our is one of was one of our approaches. And and by the way, we we had an extent large extended family with cousins and uncles and aunts who were living with us and mother in laws. And so we had that advantage that there was also this kind of larger group family dynamics at work too. Cool. Yeah, I love that. In some ways, it seems. Um, yeah, my, my, I mean, uh, my parents were very much just like, um, similar, just like, uh, non-helicopter, you know, raised <laughs> as a village, you know, and my mom would always say they'd still go to parties and stuff. And they would, um, they'd, they'd be like, Hey, you know, Christine, where is your, where's your, where are your sons? And she's yeah. like, I don't know. I, you know, I had them, you raise them, you know, <laughs> she's like, I already did like half the work. Like, what do you mean? Where are they? I don't know. They're somewhere in the building. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> so yeah, that was a fun. Yeah. And the family identity piece is really interesting. I hadn't really thought about that what were some like markers of of your family identity you know well yeah so there there, there were things like you know we, there, there was no tv and things that was that becomes part of the identity but um um these you know one of the things that i was the, the, one of the few regrets that i had was that we didn't do more of these kind of little rituals mm-hmm. and um because they're so easy to do. Like, you know, we had simple things like uh, every Sunday morning we had pancakes, okay, without fail. And I have a friend who does every Friday night, they have pizza every single time. And then there's pizza movies, whatever it is. And so that something as simple as that becomes this like anchor, this thing that is like, everything else could be going wrong, but there's going to be pancakes on Sunday morning. And um, those kinds of little rituals and things, whether it's, you know, something you do seasonally or some decorations that you put up every year and it's, they're always there and that kind of constancy and it becomes dependable. It, 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 it it nurtures the idea of something that this is a rock, that this is something that you can count on. And, um, and I, as, uh, what I observed was over time, um, these little things that we had became even more of a touchstone for the kids that they would refer back to it. And then, and in the ways that I was like, it, it could, I mean, it wasn't really a big thing, but it's become a big thing in their minds, become giant things. And so, um, because they're so easy to do, that that kind of anything you kind of do to emphasize um, the family, uh, things that you do together as a family, whether it's playing board games or you're taking a certain kind of vacation or you do like we we do a family walk on Thanksgiving afternoon, and it's like they are like we have to do it. <laughs> you can't, we cannot do this. This is, this is what our family does, and so um, uh, I, I, I it's. And, and and one of the things that there there's I can't remember a book. There's a really good book about trying to develop the happiness of families, and it's it's thinking rather than individuals, but it's like what you, you treat the family as a as a as a unit as a thing. It's like what are you doing for the happiness of the family? Um, you know, it's like how do you fight? Those kinds of things are all part of that, um, and I think that's. Uh, that was a perspective that we kind of made it that this was something that was worth giving attention to. Yeah. I love that. I think it's a cool, um, and it's like, and it, it was making me think actually about this. Um, uh, I just had this woman, Vedika Jane on my podcast, who's uh, a good VC. And she was talking about, um, we were t- doing life advice for folks and she's, you know, there's this, uh, Mark Andreessen quote about make, um, try to do things such that the rest of your, um, uh, career as a footnote. And I think then uh, another way to say that with what you're talking about is that do is that in many ways, your family and, and putting in time and attention to your family makes it so that everything else is a footnote. It's like, it yeah, doesn't really yeah, yeah. matter what happened with, you know, professional wired, sure, sure, blah, sure. blah, blah. It's just like your family, the family's the thing. Right, right, and so right. I think that's a cool and rituals as a way to, to make that happen. Yeah. I was thinking of more advice in the book that might be kind of family oriented. There, there was one piece that is a little odd, it's a little tangential. But it, but I, I I heard it from someone I I, respect, I got it from someone I respect and and that was um, he was trying to he liked to bring art into the house and his 
criteria for the art that he brought into the house, which is something that I try to do, is um, to make it weird and disturbing enough that the kids will never forget it. Right? That, that, that there's this kind of like, it's it's like every time they see it, they're, they're kind of reminded about how distinctive it is. It's how odd. You know, there's some there's something about it that is unusual and you kind of rather because what happens with most paintings of course and things in a house is they become invisible they're just they're just you don't see them at all but you want something that you just cannot unsee maybe that's the way i should have put it (laughs) you want you want some art that a child once sees cannot unsee and um i thought that was a brilliant uh, idea i love that and it's funny because as expressing it yeah. yeah, no, that's great. And I think, you know, I'm reminded of, again, for me with my childhood, a um, uh-huh. this big piece of art that was, um, you know, that it's intense at maybe it was my family friend's house. It's like, it was this massive, scary thing that, yeah, it's kind of disturbing. It's kind of scary. And I will uh-huh. remember that, you know, when everything is gone, when I'm Alzheimer's and dementia <laughs> up, it's like, I will remember that. that like, um, so I want to ask you a question about, um, you know, some of the, because I, for many of the things when I went through, it was like, Oh wow, that's that's smart. That's great, or whatever. But some of the things I was like confused about. I'm um, not necessarily okay. like I disagree, sure. but just like, oh, what is this? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I want to say this one. There's like a combo here, which I was kind of confused about. Which is this one is um. So it says a great way to understand yourself is to seriously mm. reflect on everything you find irritating in others. And then there's a related one, which is when someone tells you what ticks them off, they're telling you what makes them tick. So like, mm-hmm. tell me about this, like. We're ourselves we find stuff irritating others other people are getting ticked off by stuff that's it's it helps us understand yeah. what makes them tick what's going on there yeah um it's, it's this observation that um and psychologists have, have noticed this as well that that we tend to be most annoyed by things that actually are aspects of ourselves and that is sort of why we're bothered by them so you can use that signal of something that other another person is irritating you. It's like, well, there is that means that there's something in you that's in parallel or being resonated by this and whatever it is. And so you're using this as a as a data point, as a as a signal to to inspect your own life and to ask yourself, why am I so annoyed by that? And often it's because either you're you have some propensity in that same direction or you're trying to overcompensate for that or there's something in it that is um, resonating sympathetic to your own personality mm-hmm. and could you give um, a specific example of this by the way well you know someone who uh, um, might like say um If if I, uh, I I might find people who speak um, harshly to 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 other people, all right. So and that could really um, that could it, that can really disturb me, and it's probably because I might have that same tendency to do that if I wasn't checking myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so uh, so the fact that I am really triggered by that means that there's something in me that I am probably um, trying to control or um, would do if I was not in control, and so therefore it, it this is a this is a signal that that I should you know keep working on that. Great. Yeah. I love it. That's, um, yeah, as, and that's, uh, thanks for the specific example. Yeah, for me, it's like when people are talking too much in a group or whatever, yeah. um, I just, you know, I was, uh, I, I was a talkative kid for a while. Then I learned, I was like, Oh my God, I'm talking way too much. You know, my, <laughs> my middle school girl, girlfriend was like, you're not okay enough with silence, you know? Yeah. And so, um, when I see people doing a group, it's like, I'm like, cause I've, yeah, I've worked on it myself. I'm like, hey, no, you gotta yeah, shut yeah, up, yeah. man. Like what's going yeah. on? <laughs> Like let the other people talk. Um, so that that makes sense. Thanks for the clarity there. I wanna I wanna ask another kind of category here about I don't know like technology. Um, and and you know you have it's interesting because the you know a lot of your professional life has been around technology and and how mm-hmm. technology is changing society and all that. Um, but then the advice, most of the advice is just on peopling or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, 
And so, but but there are some about technology, and, and one of them here is um, this is the best time ever to make something. None of the greatest, coolest inventions twenty years from now have been invented yet. You are not late. So tell tell us a little bit more about how you know advice you might have for for young folks or whoever around technology and, and building. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, first of all, again, I would say these other two things I always said is don't be the best, be the only, and then um, uh, try to work on something where they don't have a name for what it is that you're doing. So those are those would be the, the the initial things, but um, you know, going back then to you're not being late. Um, you know, I'm very deep into AI right now, trying to figure it out, and um, with the new chatbots and the image generators. And and what I would say is, you know, c- compared to 30 years from now, um, it would be very clear that there are no AI experts at all, right? Today, I mean, today there aren't. We don't have any AI experts compared to what we'll have in 30 years, which means that you and I, if I'm speaking to a young person, that that you have as much chance of becoming that expert as anybody else, because there is, you know, you, you can become the AI expert on chatbots right now, because that's what's happening. Is that there's people who are deciding to spend their thousand hours and just try and be the AI whisperer and talk to these things and they're going to, they're going to become the experts. So, so, so you're not late. And there's a tendency to think that where, you know, all the internet companies have happened and all the, um, all the, all the, all the niches for um, crypto or whatever have already happened. They're all occupied and all the early people are there, but, but, but what, what it is, is like compared to where we're going to be in 30 years, we haven't even started yet. And so, if you want, you know, again, don't be the best. Don't try to compete with everybody else. Go somewhere where um, they don't have words for what it is that you're doing. It's very hard to explain. And you're much more likely there to um, find something that um, you could become expert on um, in, in, in the world. And there's no guarantee, of course. You could pick the wrong thing. Um, you're probably likely to, but you just keep doing it. It's, it's a reiterative process. That's another part about... The, 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 one of the key things that I wish I'd known when I was younger, it took me a long time to realize it, but it's so profound, which is that um, to really make great things, you have to come and keep redoing them. You just have to, you actually have to, I mean, you actually have to expect that the first, that the thing you make, you'll go all the way, you'll make it done, it'll be done, but you're going to throw it away. You're going to, it's, not going to be good enough and you're going to remake it that was so hard for me in the beginning and i talk about not just about like a book or a song but like if you're making something physical a chair or you know a house whatever it is that that it's going to be mostly about remaking things redoing things that seemed to me to like that was a mark of like amateurs but no it's actually the mark of a professional and that's been the one of the geniuses of youtube is seeing the really great craftsman work and the way in which you know they will the really good ones will make a prototype first if they're making something new that they haven't made before they make a prototype first and so this idea of prototyping first and then you're kind of you're building up this prototype out by layers of reality on top of it trying to iterate it forward and that you're, you're you're not expecting the prototype you're expecting to rebuild it you're you're not expecting it you're expecting to throw it away and so that idea is, is central to to doing things and so like yes in whatever we're starting you're unlikely to get it right on the first time around including what you your career is what you're going to do. You're going to, you're unlikely to get it right. You're going to have to do something and then you're going to put it aside and move on. And that's that, that, that I didn't really kind of understand when I was younger, but th- to me, um, this idea of, um, you know, you, you, you build one to throw away, you, you, you kind of iterate again and again, you, um, prototype your way forward rather than big plans. Those, those are all the kinds of things that I think, is essential in, in technology as well. 
Yeah, I love that. I think it's like, makes me think of just, you know, these like orbiting where it's like, you know what, for your whole life, like for me, I think about, you know, like random technology frontiers. Sometimes I'll be more on the society side and we'll think about how society changed. But then sometimes I'm just like, I just love getting into the nitty gritty on AI or modular blockchains or, you know, climate, mm-hmm. you know, how to make green concrete or whatever. And so I just know that's like, it's in, in, so instead to be like, oh man, I'm like flitting around. Doing, it's like, no, you're kind of like orbiting around these things that you like orbiting around. Mm-hmm. And like, you're going to continue orbiting around them for 30 years and you'll get better and better over time. Um, yeah. And in your first well, podcast. Well, in- I, w- I would say then that, that you know, what you are going to be the only on is orbiting. That you, that's what you do. Not everybody can do it well. Mm-hmm. Some people could do it better. And that's part of the, the talent that you have is, is in orbiting. and you know, there's, there's, as you said, there's value in it and, um, not everybody would be happy. Maybe not everybody would be good at it, but the fact that you're kind of can make an orbit, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for reflecting that. Yeah. Cause a lot of people really like going double clicking on a thing many, many, many times. And I like double clicking on a thing like twice. And then I'm like, okay, that's enough double clicking for me. You know, like let's move to a different tab. Um, so I want to ask a couple of final general questions here as we start to wrap up. One is how do you think about, I was chatting with a, a friend who's been on the podcast before this guy, Tamim Ansari, um, who wrote this great book called uh, destiny disrupted. And he's a historian type. And he, he's his final book that he's writing now is a memoir about these different stages of life. Um, and so I think, you know, you're and kind of in this, this advice book from you is a similar ish kind of orientation. Mm-hmm. How do you think about, how do you think about those stages of life? Like what are the, what do you see as the big stages and, and, and how, yeah, an advice for moving through them or whatever. The big stages in life. Um, I would say, um, there used to be, a, there was a book called passages, which was about the, the different stages. I, I, I do want to highlight this idea of going back to families of having a rite of passage for, for kids when they become adults, which was, we, we invented a couple of different ceremonies with our kids to mark because our culture doesn't have one for, I don't, I don't know why most cultures do, but, um, so we had one where, um, our children, when they were 21, um, we had, we had a ceremony, a little private ceremony with, you know, some family and friends, really small. And, uh, they, we had a red ribbon, which was tied around our child's waist and then our waist. And then we took a scissors and we cut the ribbon, cut the umbilical cord. And then we had their first toast with their first legal drink. And um, then we gave them their last check. We gave them a check, which was like, this is your last check. Some of them had a bet. I mean, the kids all had a, a what's the word, a, 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 a challenge, which was if they didn't um, smoke or drink before they were 21, they get $1,000. And so um, there was two of them who got their $1,000 as well. And, um, there was, and there were other ceremonies like my, my, my son, he decided he wanted, um, everybody present to write down some advice in edible ink on edible paper. And then he would read the advice and then consume it like communion. It was just beautiful. It was just fantastic. So anyway, so the, the three kids each had their own ceremonies, um, baking bread, handing it out, um, my one daughter got baptized in her hot tub. It was, it was this, it was, uh, it was fantastic. But that, that was this moment and they, it became, it became this, a touchstone. I love that. I think that's a great, and I agree. Yeah. The rite of passage thing. I mean, we're kind of moving through this as a whole, like American and also Western world in some ways right now where we're like, we're becoming, uh, some of the, like the post-religion kind of, uh, movements. It's like stuff is, getting in their place, you know, wokeism, MAGAism, whatever these things may be. And, and that you have these, um, but yeah, it's like, where's the, like the cultural structure that used to exist where baptisms or those things used to live. And so, um, doing that within your family makes a lot of sense. It makes me think also the physicalness that is really powerful. It makes me think of a time with my, um, my mom, when my mom passed away three years ago, we took pictures of her around a fire and we, uh, and, and we, we said night, we said things to her. We said, Hey, we mm-hmm. loved you da, 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 and we love you. And then we burned them in the fire. Yeah. And so it's yeah. kind of like, there's a physical thing of like, she's yeah. dead and she's the burnness is there. And so it's like, yeah, the umbilical yeah, yeah. cord is a smart, uh, smart yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. So 
I want to ask one uh, final little section here about overrated, uh-huh. underrated, which okay. is um, I'm going to say a thing and then you'll yeah. you know say whether it's overrated, underrated and give like a one minute or sorry, like a like a 30 second one sentence thing about it for why. Uh, so do you think that it do you think advice itself is overrated or underrated? I think it's underrated. I think there could be more of it if it's small. <laughs> Keep it small. It's underrated. Love it. Yeah. Uh, long short. advice where yeah, someone yeah. goes and you say, hey, Reese, blah, blah, well, blah. Well, and yeah. Okay. Well, here's one of my pieces of advice, which is about, which is meta, which is that if someone is um, telling you that something is wrong in your life, they're probably right. But if they're going to give you the solution, they're probably wrong. Okay. So, so yeah, the, the ones that are pointing out things that you could do, um, how do, you know, that you should notice or, or that that's good advice, but actually the solution to it is going to be very, very specific and they're probably wrong. Yeah. I love that. Um, great. Do you think that, um, just more general, like learning from elders, is that overrated or underrated? So my piece of advice in the book is that if you're young, have friends that are older, or if you're old, have friends that are younger. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, and then finally, uh, concise writing, is that overrated or underrated? For me, I think it's um, underrated and there should be more of it. I write telegraphically, so I am biased in that direction. I like reading um, condensed writing. It's harder because you kind of work a little harder at it. It's like poetry. You've got to kind of unpack it yourself. Um, but um, that's my that's my style is I like um, brevity and succinct and compact language. Um, so it's underrated. Cool, cool. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you um, for coming on today, Kevin. There's a lot of good, uh, obviously a ton of good learnings here. And we just, you know, the beautiful part about this book, and I really felt this as I was reading, is just like, there's, it's just, it, it's, um, it's the amount of learnings per page. It's just juicy. You know, there's a lot oh, of juicy great. stuff in there. So um, if folks want to check it out again, it's advice for living. Um, no, ex- excellent oh, advice so, for living. So, so Wisdom I wish you. I'd known earlier. So, It'll yeah. be out on May 2nd. May 2nd, exactly. And this will be released roughly at that time. Um, And so definitely check that out. And also, if you just want to check out um, Kevin online on Twitter, let me – Kevin, what are you Uh, at on Twitter? Kevin2Kelly, the number two. Kevin number two Kelly, which is also my Facebook and Instagram. And then my initials are from my website, kk.org, where you can find anything else. Beautiful. Reese, thank you um, so much for this. It was so much, really Kevin. fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, you asked great questions, and it's it's been a delight. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. And, and keep on keep on pumping out uh, whether they're the you know <laughs> a thirty pound books or whether they're you know one pound. You know, as long as they get pumped out, I'm I'm happy. So um, okay. thank you so much, Kevin, and thank you everybody for listening. Great. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. If you like the show, please give us a five-star podcast review or subscribe on YouTube. And if you'd like to chat about this episode with a community of amazing, smart, ambitious, divergent people, come on by and join our Discord. You can find it at root.co. That's R-O-O-T-E dot co. And then finally, if you'd like to contribute to these ideas being shared more widely in society, you can support the podcast production team at patreon.com slash Lindmark. That's patreon.com slash R-H-Y-S-L-I-N-D-M-A-R-K. Thanks, and see you here for the next episode. Bye.